0: Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. You got your Bibles? Let me see. Hold it up. Let me see. Let me see. Hold up them real Bibles. Put them phones down. What you gonna do with that? I'm just kidding. You can use a phone. It's fine. Just wouldn't trust it when you're under attack. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Bibles are awesome. Um, we're going to turn to the book of Nehemiah. We've been in Nehemiah for a little bit now. And uh, this is the fifth week now that we've been in the book of Nehemiah. And I'm excited about it because there's so many amazing principles that we learn from, from Nehemiah as we are in this heart for um, the house season. Uh, the other thing that I'll say, since we are in Heart for the House season, next week is the Heart for the House offering. And you say, man, what is that? If this is your first time at the church or you're new to this church, let me tell, let me tell you, this offering can be for you, but it doesn't have to be. You don't want to give in an extra offering. It's like, yo, these people have been talking about giving since I walked in the door. Listen, ain't nobody hunting you down for anything. I'm not going to chase you for anything. If you want to give, that's between you and God. Amen? I just know that there's blessings attached to sacrificial giving. What my wife talked about, that's our tithe. That's being obedient. We give 10% of the 100% that God gives us, and we live off the 90 better than we could off the 100 And the church said, that's obedience giving. But this heart for the house, this one time a year, this extra thing, this is sacrificial. And when you give sacrificially, the Bible says that there's a 30 6100 fold return. How many of you believe in for God to do something crazy in this last part of the year? This might be the thing that unlocks it. So make a pledge. If you haven't made a pledge yet, this is your last week to do it because next week we're bringing in the offerings. Um, you can go out to the lobby and grab a pledge card, fill out the front and the back, and then when you're done, you take a marker and you write the number on your pledge card, write it on the stone, take the stone with you. As a reminder, we are living stones building God's house. These offerings are going to the work that will happen in 2023 at Cool Church. And the church said, talk about it a little more in a second, but um, just want to give you an opportunity to pledge if you have not uh, pledged. But if you got your Bibles with you, and if you're not physically here, you can do that online. I'm sure there's QR codes and all that fun stuff. But Nehemiah chapter five. Uh, verses 14 through 16. That's where we are today. Nehemiah chapter 5 verses 14 and 16. If you don't know where Nehemiah is, it is between Ezra and Esther. Okay, it's in your Old Testament. It's the, it's the in between the two E's. Okay, so you can find it uh, there. Nehemiah chapter 5 verses 14 through 16. There's one more thing I had to say that I almost forgot, and I can't believe I almost forgot it. November 8th is the day to vote. We're we not an ignorant house here. We vote. We vote. I will, never, I will never tell you who to vote for. That's between you and Jesus. But don't be one of those people that say, oh, I don't want to vote because they don't do nothing anyway. You're part of the problem. That's harsh, Pastor. No, you're part of the problem. People fought and died and sacrificed so that many of us will have a right to actually do it. And I want to take part in the democratic process because I love this great nation that we get to live in, but I'm not going to sit around and complain and not do my part. It is our, it is our duty, not just as men and women of God, but as people that call themselves Americans, <laughs> it's our duty to vote. So if you haven't already early voted, you can still got a little time tomorrow, but Tuesday, take some time and vote. Do not complain if you have not already voted. And the church said, Amen. Alright, I just had to say that, especially to the younger generation. The OGs get it, but some of us younger folks we be like, nah, that don't mean nothing anyway. I hear that like turnout for young people is low, so I just want to take a moment to say something about it. Like it matters because your future's on the line. Amen. All right, I just had to say that. All right, I'll be nice again. Okay. Nehemiah 5, 14 through 16, moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah until his 32nd year, if you were doing math out there, Bible lets you know, that's 12 years, neither I nor my brothers, I love this, this is Nehemiah talking. Ate the food allotted to the governor. That's important. But the early governors, those who preceded me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Listen to this. Their assistants also, so not just the governor, their assistants also lorded it over the people but listen to what Nehemiah does I love this but out of reverence for God I did not act like that instead underline this instead I devoted myself to the work on this wall all my men were assembled there for the work we did not acquire any land and the church said you're like but why pastor we'll get there you taking notes on this uh, fifth part of Heart for the House, I've entitled it this, A Disciplined Builder. A Disciplined Builder. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every human that was going to be in this place today. God, I thank you That I would lie down and you would rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always be about Jesus. God, I pray. I pray for the one. The one that needs to hear this word the most. By the time it's said and done, I pray that they are drawn closer and closer to you. God, as we're building something new in this house, I pray that we are all discipline builders. In Jesus' name. And everybody set. Everybody set. Take about five seconds and give God a shout of praise in this place. Come on. Amen. I told you we're one week away. Next week, November 13th, we are going to bring the single largest offering we ever had into God's house. And the church said... I'm really excited. I'm excited because based upon what we do together, it's going to dictate what happens next year in this house. And I believe that God has given us an amazing vision to follow through with. We talked about raising $300,000 and so much has been pledged So far, people have made pledges, they've written stuff on stones, they filled out pledge cards, they did stuff online. I already told you, I'm not coming after you for your pledge. That's between you and God. I ain't going to call you like, homie, so what's up on that pledge? I'm not doing that. Whatever you pledge, that's between you and God. I believe God put it on your heart to do something over and above Me and my family are definitely giving over and above anything we've ever given in the house before because I believe in what God has called us to do in this next season. So we're looking for $300,000 to do it. That breaks down three different ways. We're going to expand the worldwide experience for Cool Church. Make a cool world. There's people watching all over the world right now in 47 different countries and people all over the United States of America. We literally have visitors that are online today from Rhode Island, but they were literally sitting in those seats right over there last week. They're part of our our Cool Rhode Island family. They said, man, we just had to come and see it in person. Isn't that awesome that what we're celebrating is so much bigger than this room? But we want to expand that, man. We want to make sure that our online family has a great experience and we can continue to grow and touch every part of the world because God ain't coming back. Jesus ain't coming back until his gospel reaches the furthest corners of the earth, and I want to be responsible for that. And the church said, I want to help move God's agenda along with the cool world so we're we're going to use $75,000 to expand that. We're going to use $100,000 for our Cool Cares 501c3 nonprofit. There are people out there that have dollars to donate to nonprofits, but doesn't matter what we do, they will not donate to a church, but they'll donate to a different nonprofit. So we're starting up a 501c3. We're out of amazing things in the community, one of which I'm really excited about. It's called Cool Hubs. We're going to have these hubs in schools that we build out, and they're like stores where students can come in that are less fortunate. They don't have to pay. They can get a pair of sneakers. They can get uniforms. They can even get groceries to fill their fridge. These are hubs where the church is in the school all the days of the week. So I know we're in here on Sunday, but we want our presence to permeate throughout the week because we're helping people that need it the most and the church said we have already secured partners that say if you build these we will supply them for you we will stock them for you people love attaching themselves to vision and the church said so we have allotted um a hundred thousand dollars towards that but the last hundred twenty five thousand dollars is for cool next generation ministries that's our cool kids and our cool youth that is constantly growing last week um, there were 150 humans in this building that were under the age of 18. That's a lot, that's a lot. The average church in America is less than 100 people. We have 150 churning running around here, and I, I don't ever want them to leave. I want them to think that this place is better than Disney World, man. I want them to beg you and annoy you to get them to church on Sunday because this should be the livest place on the planet for them. This is where they grow. This is where they learn. This is where they develop friendships. And the church said... So we're going to put as much as we can into it. And the other part is that we're going to hire um, some special needs educators because there is a grave and a dire need. We have special needs children, and we don't want just a babysitter. No, we want somebody that's going to help educate them in the love and knowledge of the Lord. And the church said but those same people will also help educate our parents so that they can uh, teach and train their children up in the way that they should go, so that when they're old they will not depart from it. You can't have a mission that says build strong families and build strong futures, and families are getting left behind because they are not being resourced and they're not being helped the way that they need to be helped, amen? I don't wanna just help some families, I wanna help them all. Doesn't matter what difficulties your family faces, we want to help you so that you and your children will see a brighter tomorrow so the most of what we got we gonna put into the next generation God has given us a heart for it a heart to build for the next generation people always ask me how you know your purpose I always tell them what breaks your heart whatever breaks your heart go fix that that's probably your purpose the thing that moves you the thing that keeps you up at night, the thing that bugs you the most, what if you were the person that God put on the earth to solve it? That's what I call purpose. And Nehemiah, is heart broke for the wall, the wall around Jerusalem. Jerusalem literally lived as a nation in poverty after its people had been released from exile. We've been talking about this for the last four weeks now, up to five, and Nehemiah is so heartbroken, He prays, he cries, and he fasts, and finally he gets enough courage to go ask the Persian king, a foreign king. He says, hey, could you please let me go back and build this wall? I don't want anybody else to do it. I gotta do it. I believe God's called me to it. He's asking a foreign king to go build something that God calls him to build. The king says, Nehemiah, I am with you. Not only will I send you, I'll send resources with you because when God is for you, how many of you know, the resources will follow. So the resources follow. Nehemiah and we've we've heard the story, yes, opposition so many different people coming against him and last week we talked about Nehemiah chapter 4, the people are building, the wall is at half its height but they come under such scrutiny ridicule, threats from the enemy, how many of you know when you're trying to build something, you're going to have haters the haters just looking for you to do something what they doing over there let me, let me see how I can mess that up. Let me see how I can get in their head. But I love Nehemiah because he pushed past the haters and he tells his people that no matter what they say, we gonna keep on building, but while they're hating, we gonna build and we gonna defend ourselves. The Bible says that they had a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. They had a weapon to protect and defend themselves and they had the, 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 the tool that they were working with in the other because just because you're defending yourself does not mean you should stop building. You gotta keep on building. And we learned last week how to defend the building. Now by the time we get to Nehemiah chapter five, and I promise you the intro will actually take longer than the points that I'm gonna preach, because I gotta set this up for you properly. So when we get to Nehemiah chapter five, they have fought off the enemy. They're building, but something crazy happens. The building stops. The building completely stops. They're over halfway, of the height of the wall and the building stops. It's interesting because the enemy is not what stopped them from building. They were able to defend themselves against the enemy. The enemy couldn't stop them. So, because the enemy could not stop them, they turned on each other. If the enemy cannot defeat us, he will most certainly try to divide us listen to me church this is this is an age-old tactic it's it's why hear my heart it's why churches compete with one another my church my church my I ain't about small C cool church I'm about capital C the church if the enemy cannot defeat us he will most certainly try to divide us because The devil is not scared of a big church. He's terrified of a united church. Us being together matters. How many times have you seen like groups of people that were doing something great and then seeds of division start to slip in and break up the group? I mean we've seen this time and time again. Like what would have happened to the 1998 Chicago Bulls if they'd have ran it back one more time. Them little C's of division. Jerry Krause up in that thing. Pippen ain't happy with what he's getting paid. The C's of division started to creep up. How many championships would Kobe and Shaq have won together if Eagles were not so big in LA? Division starts to creep in. I mean, don't even get me started on the Miami Big Three. If them boys woulda stayed together, switched a couple pieces around, how many chips are they have brought back to the city? Like LeBron, how do you leave Miami and go back to Cleveland? <laughs> Nothing in Cleveland. Anybody here from Cleveland? I feel sorry for you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just. <laughs> of course, it's Brianna. She like that's why I'm leaving. <sighs> oh, Marla, don't do that to me. I love you, girl. <laughs> He'll never come back now. He did Cleveland, son. C Town, what? I don't even know. It's like little divisions break stuff up, like it happens in music all the time. Beatles broke up, Destiny's Child. Somebody said, Jesus. Y'all was like worshiping the Destiny Child. I'm a survivor get out of here now you the hop i'm scared of y'all that's a cult okay <laughs> Sync broke up boys to men i, I, I don't care L- listen I, boys are my favorite like boy group of all time and as amazing as they sing it's not the same with just three of them like my you need mike to come in with that bass baby i'm sorry <laughs> Please forgive me. This is so, it's something about that that breaking the song. They don't even do that no more. They don't even talk in the middle of songs. It's different without Mike, man. It's different. Man, could OutKast have won another Grammy? I mean, sorry, Miss Jackson. We'll never know. Some of y'all ain't say it, they were like, whoo. Like, y'all ain't saved for real. Like, New Edition couldn't stand the rain. See what I did there? <laughs> but it's because of those little seeds, man. Those, those seeds of the seed, where somebody's like, you know what, this group took me for, but I got a little something extra in me, they ain't got. And they they get divided. Division breaks up the best things. In the case of Nehemiah and the people of Judah. The thing that began to cause division was literally money. Resources broke up the people. If you want to know, resources are what stopped the wall from being built. Nehemiah 5, 1 through 5. Listen to this. You're going to hear all the reasons, and they all lead back to one thing. Now, the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. This is where the problem start. It's internal. It ain't even an enemy. This is internal. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Pretty much they were saying, we got a lot of kids. We can't feed them all. We need money. Right? Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine money issue still others were saying we had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards money issue although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow jews and though our children are as good as theirs now they're comparing each other to one another yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery some of our daughters have already been enslaved but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. Here's the issue. They had enough resources to build the wall, but some of them did not have enough personal resources to live properly during the building process. The money to build the wall came from the king, so they didn't have to worry about that, but while they were building, they were personally struggling. And I I just want to say something, because I know there's people out there, you hear me throw around like big numbers. One, you have not because you ask not. But two, you say, man, you need all this money to build this thing for the church, but I'm over here struggling. I got, I got, like, like, like I want to help you, but I got issues. That's exactly what they were saying. I want to be a part of what you're doing, Nehemiah, but I got problems over here. I know building the wall is the right thing to do. It's not that you don't believe in what we're doing. You're just saying, I got issues, man. I got, I got some, like, like, my GoFundMe is like up right now. Did you see it, Pastor? Like, I need a heart for my house. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Because I know no matter how, how, how great, And how awesome, I tell you this thing is gonna be, there will be some people that do not participate, it's not because they don't want to, they literally cannot. And it does not matter, I want you to hear like, you're not a bad person because you cannot help. I want you to hear that, you're not less than anybody else in this house because you are going through something. I just, I want people to hear that from me, man. Because I I think like some people say, oh, the pastor favors you because you this kind of donor and you that kind of donor. Let me tell you something, my job is to serve all of you. There's people I've served in this house that probably don't give a dime, but I don't look at your bankroll and how much you've tithed to know if I should pray for you or not. I do it because you're a part of this house. We serve you because no matter where you are, you're part, and I just want to encourage somebody. Pastor, I ain't got nothing to get, you are loved, you are a part of this family, and, and your bottom line and your dollar amount does not dictate how we serve you. I want you to hear that and know that, amen? So they had enough money to build based upon the king, but they were personally going through stuff. Like, some, some of them, hey, this some church people, they were so focused on building the wall, they didn't put in the same effort into taking care of their own homes that's some church folk you all about the work of the church and your house is a mess it's in the bible there were families look at this thing it says others are saying we are mortgaging our fields our vineyards and our homes to get grain during the famine if you know what a famine is that's a drought it means that there were less supplies but there was more demand. There was less supplies. There was more demand. So because there was more demand, what do the people that have the supply do? They raise the prices. You know what that's called in 2022? In what time are we living in right now? They were going through inflation so funny how something that could happen thousands of years ago can be so relevant today. The people of Nehemiah's time were literally going through inflation like we are right now. They ain't have gas prices. Them donkey prices was hot, though. They couldn't... We, we can't find formula. That goat milk, though, that was on another level back then. That goat formula... They were literally going through inflation. So they had to mortgage their homes out to cover the cost. (laughs) Then they still had to pay taxes to the king. Now I will say this, the king was reasonable. He actually did not tax them a lot. The taxes that they were really getting hurt from wasn't the taxes of the, the foreign king. It was the taxes that their own people were putting on them. Some greedy people from the inside, greedy governors before Nehemiah, were overtaxing the people on top of what the king had taxed them. It's always your own people, right? And then some of them, they defaulted on the loans that they were getting from their own people and they had to give their children up as collateral so their children were enslaved, they were servants to people because their children were the capital for their loan. This is what the Bible is telling you right here. It says, so, so, so in order to pay their debts for their lenders, they like, we got nothing else. What was like? You got kids. Give me your kids. And we're talking kids like we're not, like we, <laughs> we ain't talking like, like like cool kids. Like they was, you know, you got some strapping like teenagers and young adults that they were taking and using as servants. And it's not the servitude or the slavery that we think about in the context of America, the the Jews had different rules as it pertains to that that stuff, so it wasn't malicious where they were whipping and and beating, but they were literally like indentured servants. They had to work to pay off their time, and then every uh, seven years or every every year of Jubilee, they would literally set people free. All of this stuff is is chronicled in the Mosaic Law, but some people literally had to give up their children to other people that were just like them, just so that they could— afford to live and keep their own property but let me tell you what really got Nehemiah mad it was the fact that the people were lenders to their own people and they charged them so much interest on these loans that they had to keep their kids in, 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 in slavery They literally had to keep the kids in slavery because the interest rates were so high, there was no way that the children could work off the debt. This frustrated Nehemiah, he was like, what are y'all, like you mean, he was like, wait, because Nehemiah, he's a logical person. He's like, we just got out of bondage for 70 years. We were in 70 years of exile to Babylon and the Persians you guys get out of exile and the first thing you do because you greedy is make slaves of your own people. This is what Nehemiah was upset about. He gets, he gets so frustrated because money has literally turned brother against brother, sister against sister, mother against father. The people have turned on each other because of money and they were taking advantage of each other for personal gain. And long story short, Nehemiah gets so frustrated when he becomes the governor, he gets so mad with the officials and the nobles, he straight up rebukes them. He gives them the read of their life. Go back and read it in Nehemiah chapter 5. And he says, I don't want you to just feel bad about what you're doing. Like he dogged them so bad, not only did they feel bad, he's like, I don't want you to just feel bad about it. I want you to give back everything that you've taken and I want you to release the captives. It's like, I'm not playing with y'all anymore. Like, like y'all, 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 y'all gonna fix this mess that you got our people in. And Nehemiah five, look at this. Nehemiah five nine through 12 says, so I continue. This is the second part of his read, second part of his rebuke. What you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk? in the fear of our God to avoid reproach, to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies. He says, I and my brothers, and he says, I and my brothers and my men are also lending to people, but what Nehemiah was doing wasn't, was different. He didn't charge anybody interest, and I'll tell you what else he was doing on top of it. He says, I and my brothers are also lending people money and grain, but, he says, let us stop charging interest. He says, give back to them immediately their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, their, their, and their houses, and also the interest you are charging. He's like, man, get these people their property back. We, we shouldn't be taking from one another like that. We should all want to be property owners. We should all want to be landowners. We should all have things that produce things that bless us. And the church said, it says 1% of the money, the grain, new wine, and olive oil. It says... And and, and listen to their response. Now they were gritty enough to get themselves into this, but listen to their response to Nehemiah's rebuke. Y'all following me still? They said, we will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Why were they so willing to do what Nehemiah said? Why were they so willing to be so generous now when they had been so greedy for so doggone long? Why did they accept the rebuke of Nehemiah and return what they took? I'm going to tell you why. And it's what we're talking about today. Because Nehemiah's life was a living example of the expectation he had for the leaders of the community. He was only asking them to do what he was already doing they listened to Nehemiah because Nehemiah didn't just tell him to do it. Nehemiah was already doing it. Nehemiah was the example of a disciplined builder. So what do disciplined builders do that nobody else does? And you'll see why they follow Nehemiah's example after these two points. The first one is this. It's going to go quick. A disciplined builder shows restraint. Hear me. A disciplined builder shows restraint. Restraint. Nehemiah 5, 14 and 15. Listen to Nehemiah. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah until his um, 32nd year, 12 years, listen to what Nehemiah did. He said, during my tenure as governor, he said, he said neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. He pretty much was like, I didn't even take my paycheck from the king. Right? He says, but the earlier governors, those who preceded me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to the food and wine. The people out before Nehemiah, they were crooks. He says, their assistants also lorded it over them. So not only was the governor a crook, all the governor's assistants were crooks and they were stealing from their own people. But, out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. That's what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah, he would not have been wrong to use what he earned as a governor of the people, but he has enough wherewithal seeing the people's situation, knowing the slavery that they just came from, he has enough wherewithal to say, you know what, as governor, I'm gonna live modestly because I see how the people that I'm governing are living. Nehemiah has that enough common sense, but even more importantly than that, if he didn't have the common sense, he had the God sense. He had the spiritual sense because he says, I live modestly in reverence to God. When you don't, listen, if you're going to do something, please let God be your motivation. He says, I'm doing this out of reverence to God. Hear me, church. I do not, I repeat, I do not believe that there is anything wrong in life with you having nice things. How many of y'all like nice stuff? There's nothing wrong. Some of y'all like real safe, like, I don't know if I should have raised my hand for that. I do not believe that there is anything wrong with you having nice things. I don't want you to be broke. God don't want you to be broke. And the church said? But with that being said, I'ma only speak for myself and the Wilson family. With that being said, I am conscious of how I live because I want my life to be a positive example to other people. Yeah, whatever you want in life. But as a man of God, I am conscious about the example that I am setting as I am leading you. Why? Why? Because my rule in life, especially as a pastor, but you don't have to be a pastor to have this rule, but this is a rule in life that I will, I will stick to to the day that I die, especially with the position that I'm in. I don't, as long as I live, I don't want to consume more than I give. That would change somebody's life right there. If you just some of you ain't clapping because you like consumption. You're a hoarder. I, I don't want to. I don't want to live a life where I consume more from this planet and from people than I give back. That is not the human that I desire to. I don't want to just be a consumer. I hate that 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 like it, it, it as it pertains to as it pertains to money and it, and it pertains to the American buyer in this capitalistic society. They call us consumers. Like that bothers me. Because that's what they see us as. People that just take, 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 take. I don't want to be a consumer. I want to be a giver. I want to be a giver. I want to give more than I consume. Because there's a lot of things that I can do that, I'm just speaking for me, that I consciously choose not to do because I want my life to be an example that points back to Jesus. There's just certain things I don't do. Can I do it? Yeah! And it would probably be fine, but I don't because I understand the example that my life is supposed to set. And in short, this could change somebody's life. Just because you can do something, doesn't mean you should. Like, you can chill with whoever you like but don't be mad when your character gets associated with their character. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. You can eat all you want. Don't get upset when your clothes don't fit right and that blood pressure is way too high. Don't get me. You can do what you want. You could buy whatever you want, but do not be mad when you don't have money for the things that really matter. Girl, them shoes, cute. You can't even pay your light bill. You can go wherever you like. Don't be mad when somebody calls you out for being there. Oh, (laughs) y'all... You a Christian, what you doing here? Exactly. Like, you ain't have a problem going. Don't be mad when they call you out for being there. Don't don't be mad. Tim Ross said something that made me laugh so hard the other day. Y'all follow Tim Ross? I love Tim Ross. He was like, some of y'all be going so hard in the paint, y'all be doing some nonsense. Like, you be taking 10 shots for Jesus. Like, (laughs) like 10? Trying to fit in. Trying to be like everybody else. He was like, you took 10 shots for Jesus? I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not standing here saying don't, don't drink. That is not what I said. If you think that's what I said, you miss what I said. But some of you are, are engaging in behaviors that, like, don't look nothing like Jesus, but you associate Jesus with it. Here's one that I know you're going to feel when I say it because it's a big problem today. You can say or post whatever you want. Don't be mad when you get attacked or canceled for your opinion. Speech is free. Consequences will cost you something. You can put that on whatever situation in popular media you want to put that on right now. Freedom of speech. You're free to say whatever you want. But don't be mad when the consequences follow. There's been some $2 billion consequences that have come out lately. Because we're free to say whatever we want to say. This is is the world we live in. Like, as believers, though, we have standards that we got to live by. So it means, regardless of popular belief, you cannot do and say whatever you want to say. We can't, because to the world, whatever we say or do is a reflection of Jesus. So we have to be very careful. You can't say God did and then live like God didn't. Like, it it just don't make sense. Come back next week, I'll be nicer. <laughs> oh, man, like, like, to do what God has called you to do in this season, for me to do what God has called me to do in this season, like Nehemiah, you have to exercise some restraint. You just ha- I restraint is not fun because we say things like, hmm, whom the sun sets free, it's free indeed. God ain't set you free to be stupid. Just because... Jesus went to the cross. He could have called a host of angels down to take him off that cross and slaughter everybody that put him on. But he says, you know what? I'm too good for that. I'm going to sit right here, and I'm going to flex the power that's going to save all of humanity. There is power and restraint. Just because you can do it does not mean that you should. If we just follow the Proverbs of Solomon, like some of our lives would be better based off of that. He talks about restraint proverbs twenty one twenty. the wise store up choice food and olive oil but the but the fool the bible says gulps theirs down fool wise people man i'm gonna say something i'm gonna put something to the side for a rainy day the fool i want it all right now i want to live my best life i might not live tomorrow okay you might be broke tomorrow too proverbs 21 23 those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity just because you can't say it doesn't mean you should say it no matter how cool it makes you sound or how much of a free thinker it makes you sound like you should not say it because you will literally bring the bible says calamity tragedy problems upon yourself aren't we seeing that get played out today Hmm. Proverbs 21, 25 to 26. The cravings of a sluggard will be the death of him. Consume, 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 consume. Because his hands refuse to work. I love this. But all day long, he craves for more, but the righteous gives without sparing. Do you see what, 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 what's said in that proverb there? If you want to attack a hoarder mentality, if you want to attack a a, a craving mentality, the only way that you can actually attack it is by exercising some restraint in what you want. It says, take in less, give more. You got to give more because why would it come after uh, saying that, that, that because his hands refuse to work all day long, uh, a slugger craves more. But the righteous give without sparing. It's literally trying to give you a tactic to fight your greed. It's trying to give you a tactic to fight laziness. It's trying to give you a tactic to fight consumption. Hey, stop. Give more. Give more is what the Bible is telling us. See, we don't do what the world does because as discipline builders, we show restraint. We don't take more. We stop consuming and we start giving. That is how you overcome that mentality that my wife so eloquently touched on earlier. Discipline builders show restraint. And finally, a discipline builder is devoted to the work. They show restraint and they're devoted to the work. Nehemiah 5, 16, I love this. So Nehemiah didn't do what everybody else did. Instead, this is him, I devoted myself to work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Is acquiring land wrong? No, Nehemiah just understood the context. How this look, me taking taking all this stuff while all these people out here suffering? That's what Nehemiah understood by showing restraint, hear me, and cutting back on things that were not necessary. Nehemiah fully devotes himself to building the wall. There will be some things in your life that you are going to have to say no to in order to be able to say yes to something else. Sometimes the things you say no to might even appear as a good thing. But if you say yes to them, if you don't practice proper restraint, you're actually going to miss out on the thing that you're actually called to. There'll be things that you have to say no to. Exercise restraint, no, I I can't, Mm, I'm not going to do it right now. Because it's not even that Like some of the things that you want are wrong, they just might be wrong right now. So Nehemiah says, like I'm sure, as long as Nehemiah lived, I'm sure he he had a bunch of land after the wall was rebuilt. But at that moment in time, his focus was building the wall, not building himself. So he said no to this in this. He practiced restraint in this season so he could say yes and devote himself to his work. Why was Nehemiah so devoted to his work? I, I love this. He says no to attaining more, to say yes, to devote himself to the work. But why was he so devoted? Why was he so devoted? And if you hear nothing else I say today, I want you to hear this. The Holy Spirit, I believe, gave me this statement and I want to give it to you. Why was Nehemiah so devoted to his work? Your highest level of discipline must be a reflection of the object of your highest level of devotion. you could just, if you could grab that nugget, your life would change. Your highest level of discipline must be a reflection of the the object of your highest level of devotion. What am I saying? Your discipline mirrors your devotion. Your discipline will mirror your devotion you will go all out or all in to being disciplined in doing something when you know what you are doing it for and you are more to devoted to the thing that you're providing discipline to last 12 weeks of my life i've been going to the gym Thank you, baby. I've been going hard, man. I was, I was about to turn 41. I looked at myself in the mirror. My old boy tried me. He was like, You get to the fight? I said, oh Lord. You made me mad. I got into the gym. And at first, when I was doing it, I was like, man, I just, I just, I just want to like look better and feel better. I Want my clothes to fit again. I was wearing like extra baggy stuff on purpose, not because it was cool or trendy. It's just I was trying to hide stuff. And, um, you know, one week became two weeks, two became three, three became four, five, so on, and I just finished week 12 last week. Four to five days a week, working out, eating right, drinking water all the doggone time. Just, just, and you see me jump around and act a fool on stage because now I actually got the energy to. Don't feel the issues I used to have with my knees and my elbows, I just, I feel good. I got, I got, man, I got. Listen, if you don't like me, I'm going to be here for a long time. (laughs) And I'm saying that just to get you mad. I'm going to be here for a long time. And when I thought about it, after I finished week 12, I kind of reflected. I'm like, man, I don't remember having like this kind of discipline in working out. I've been disciplined, but like to not miss a day in 12 weeks, I've never done that. And I started thinking, I'm like, God, why? What's different this time? What's different this time than last time? And I started to think about why I work out. And I'm like, I, I honestly, if I can be honest, it feels good, but I don't work out for my clothes to fit. I don't work out because it gives me more self-confidence. That, that's, that happens, but that's not why. I, I don't do it to look good, even though I like when she likes how I look. But now I work out in context to how old I am. I'm 41 now. And I had this thought. As a 41-year-old, I said, I can't can't go from 40 to 41 and feel the way I feel. Because if I continue to feel this way, I'm going to miss out. I'm going to miss out on moments with my wife and daughter because I ain't even got the energy to keep up with it I'm going to miss out I I, I have a different motivation now than I have before and I don't want to miss out on moments with you Joe I don't want to miss out on moments with Vava or the rest of my family because I didn't steward this vessel that God gave me properly that's 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 my motivation. So how does that relate to the statement that you said earlier? Your highest level of discipline must be a reflection of the object of your highest level of devotion. Because my level of devotion to be is, is to be there for my family, I've developed a level of discipline to match my level of devotion. The object of my devotion is them. So all I've done is developed a level of discipline to match the level of the object of my devotion. When I work out now, I'm no longer doing it for me. I'm doing it for them. So because I'm doing it for them... I think about it differently. And I've been more dedicated because the moments that I wake up and I say, I'm too tired. I fight that by saying, are you too tired for them? And days where I get and I say, I can't lift this. Would you lift it if they needed you to? It hurts me it'll hurt them more if you don't do what you gotta do I, I've, I've shifted from a place and some of us can't be disciplined because the highest level of devotion that we have is to ourselves. trying to teach you something that's why I'm going slow that's why I'm not screaming as much When the highest level of devotion you have is for yourself, you're going to be hard-pressed to find reasons to keep going because your life is never meant to just be about you. I love this because when you decide or until you decide to be devoted, you will never truly be disciplined truth is men and women of God discipline requires devotion to God period discipline requires devotion to God and here's the beautiful part the result of Nehemiah's restraint and devotion you know what the result of it was abundance Let me drink this water because I'm trying to get the people like some keys to life that's gonna like bless them. You, you hear Jesus saying John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to give life and life more abundantly. Do you realize that your devotion and your discipline is the key to that verse? I'm just looking at the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah 5:17 through 16 says, So he was devoted, he was disciplined, he, he exercised restraint. And he didn't take things he should have to devote himself to the work of who? Not himself, to God. Look at the result of his devotion. Nehemiah five seventeen through 19. Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from surrounding nations. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me and every 10 days in an abundant supply of wines of all kinds in spite of all this I never demanded the food allotted to the governor because the demands were heavy on these people and he says remember me with favor my God for all I've done for these people The food that was allotted to him could feed 200 people. Nehemiah did not take what was for him. He took it and he had 200 people sitting at his table every day, feeding them. And the stuff he could have took from the king, he actually could have took it, sold it, and made more money. He says, no, I'm gonna take it and bring people to my table that need to be fed. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a give because of my devotion. Nehemiah was so devoted to the work of God, hear me. This is why he wasn't a crooked governor. He was so devoted to the work of God. Not only did he not take what he could have, he gave what he did not have to. He would have been justified in taking everything that the king gave him. And as a governor, he could have charged the people taxes. He didn't. He says, I'm gonna take what is for me I'm going to restrain myself and not take it for myself. I'm going to give it to somebody else because Nehemiah didn't want to be like the governors before him. He wanted to kill greed in his life and stay devoted to the mission that God had given him. So he uses generosity as his vehicle to stay disciplined and devoted to God. He takes the king's salary that he earned. He earned it. And he says, because of my restraint and my devotion, I'm going to feed other people with it. Because I'm going to practice this restraint. Because just because I can do it doesn't mean I should. I see how these people suffer. Just because I can does not mean that I should. How is this possible? Nehemiah gives us a practical formula to live a full life while doing the work of God because once again I know there's people in this room right now you say you want to do the work of God but I got issues man you see this inflation I got all kind of stuff I want to live in this money it's like I want to pay time I can't even pay my time because if I pay my time my life's gonna get cut off like Pastor T like I hear you but like I can't do what you're talking about how, how could you stand up there and tell me to do that stuff and say that your life is blessed because of it how'd you even get to that place like what what made you disciplined enough to start doing it's the same thing that made me Nehemiah discipline. I'm going to give you the formula right now and it'll come up on the screen. Take a picture of this. Live by this. I promise you your life will be better. Not because it's my word. It's God's word. Put it up on the screen right now. It's Nehemiah's formula for success. Personal restraint plus kingdom devotion equals abundant living. Y'all, This has literally changed my life. I have more than I need because for years I practiced personal restraint. I didn't buy every pair of shoes I could although I wanted to. There's certain places that I did not go that everybody else was going. I was Putting 10% of my income away with every check that I got when I could have spent it on something else while still giving God his 10% of his house. I practice personal restraint, but with the personal restraint, because a lot of people are disciplined enough to have personal restraint, your personal restraint must be coupled with kingdom devotion. What does that look like? God, none of it's mine, it's all yours. And I'm going to spend my life doing whatever you want me to do. Not what I want to do. Whether it's preaching, whether it's painting, whether it's serving, whether it's making clothes. It doesn't matter what it is. If you call me to it, I'm going to do it. Personal restraint plus kingdom devotion. Are there some things that I wanted in the process that, man, I was like, God, I really got to give this up for this? Of course. But can I tell you? In the 41 years that I've had of life, there is nothing in my life at this point that I want that I cannot have. Because I know that when I have personal restraint in my life and I couple it with kingdom devotion, I will always live in abundance. What is abundance? More than what you need. There was never a time in my life, at this point in my life, there were times where I used to have to rob Peter to pay Paul, I promise you. There were times when my bank account was negative. I don't live like that now. I'm not better than you. I just have personal restraint and kingdom devotion, which has led to abundant life, not just for me, for my family. I I wish I could say something more spiritual to give you the key to success. Some of you trying to win the $1.2 billion in the lotto, when if you applied this, you'd have whatever you wanted. But if you do win that lotto tie, that cool church, that's all I'm saying. But if you did this, this ain't a guessing game. This ain't luck. This is a disciplined way to live that will bless your life. Are you a discipline builder? Because if you're a discipline builder, you'll be able to live a blessed life that blesses others. Nehemiah didn't take all that he could, but what he did take, he had more than enough to bless hundreds of people at his table daily during a time of inflation. His discipline led to his abundance. And the church said, see, at the end of the day, Nehemiah never expected more from his followers than he was willing to do himself. And isn't that the picture of Jesus? Jesus never asked us to do something that he is not first willing to do himself. And that's why I love Hebrews 12 too. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy, I love this, the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross the cross. He endured. He stuck with. He disciplined himself. He practiced restraint on the cross for what? The joy set before him. What was the joy set before Jesus? Was it heaven? He's seen that, been there, done that. You know what the joy set before Jesus was? You know why he practiced restraint on that cross? You know the object of his devotion that allowed him to remain disciplined? The object of Jesus devotion on that cross that allowed him to endure that cross was you. It was you. It was me. We are his highest object of devotion. And because of it, he was willing to restrain himself to endure something. Because if he knew that he did not, he said, I could get off this cross. But what would happen to them if I do? I could stop this pain. But what would happen to Trevor if I do? What would happen to Leo if I do? What would happen to Joanne, Sean, Natalie if I if I do what I want to do? If I don't practice some restraint on this cross with all the power I got, what's going to happen to Tim? What's... What's going to happen to Chile? What's going to happen to the object of my devotion? Jesus is so devoted to us that he was disciplined to stay on that cross. But how many of you know that he did not stay on that cross? He went into that grave and three days later he rose again and because he endured the cross, he set his eyes on the object of his devotion the joy set before him which was salvation for you and me. Whatever he had by every eye closed. You can only be a discipline builder because discipline went before us. Discipline went before us and his name was Jesus. He endured to the cross for the joy set before him that was you and me. There may be some people in this place today who said, Pastor, I ain't gonna lie, I haven't lived a disciplined life as a Christian. You can't do it without Jesus. Jesus never asks you to do something that he already has not done himself. He practiced and shows us what discipline looks like because we are the object of his devotion. Today, the question is, Will he be the object of your devotion? Because if Jesus is the object of your devotion, you'll live a disciplined life for him. On the count of three, if you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've never asked him to be. Or maybe you have, but you've been running. You haven't lived a disciplined life. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. It's not about what your friend's doing. It's not about what your family member's doing. It's not about the person sitting next to you, the person that's watching you. It's not about them. At the end of the day, you have to make a decision. I'm going to be a discipline builder because I'm devoting my life to Jesus. If you want to raise your hand today and say, Pastor, I'm devoting myself to Jesus because Jesus first devoted himself to me. That's my call. Count of three. Full devotion. No more games. No more playing to Jesus Christ because he first devoted himself to you. I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Hold it up high enough and long enough for me to see it. No games. Hold it up. I see you and 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 you. and you. I said all those yous because I want you to know you're not alone. If you if your hands up, stand up. Hands up, stand up. Don't be scared. Full devotion requires something. Yep. I see you. I see you. I see you. Uh-huh. I see you. Yep. I see you. You ain't got to be scared. He did the hard part. Come down. Let's pray about it. Come on. Come. Everybody standing in this place as they come and clap for them as they come. Come on. Full devotion. No more games. to really do this alone because God is with you. But as a family, we support you. So look at your neighbor right now and say, "Hey, if you want to go down there, you scared? If you scared, I'll go with you." If they say, "Yeah," grab them by the hand. It's no judgment. I can't tell you how many times I made this decision right here. So right now, look at, look at your neighbor and say, "Hey, you scared? I'll go with you." If they say, "Yeah," grab him by the hand and walk them down. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. No shame. No shame. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Praise God. Hallelujah. Reach your hands towards them. You're now here, maybe you want to reach your hands up. Say, why? Surrender. Full devotion. Bible says in Romans 10 now, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart and that He was raised from the dead, you're saved. Don't let anybody take that away from you. I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus. I've sinned. I've not sinned. Not proud of it. Not proud of but it. But I admit it. But I admit it. Today. Today. I lay my sin down. I lay my sin down. Take it. I pray. Take it. I pray. I don't want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven, reach to, heaven to receive your forgiveness. To receive your forgiveness. forgiveness to take the place of my sin. Take the place of my sin. I ask, I ask that you would accept me into you your wonderful family. Your wonderful family. Today. Today. I give my life. I give my life completely to you. Completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen proud of y'all all of you see that sign it says welcome to the family that's what you are and enemy can't take that away from you no matter what no matter what i know some of y'all need prayer for different things or maybe you got questions i never want something like this to happen and you got questions that we can't answer or we're not giving you the prayers that you need to get so there'll be some folks Oh, you tried it today but I got hands Carol City keep telling y'all um I got a gift for you I want to give you this there's a Bible in here uh WWJD bracelet a letter from me and Pastor Joe in here just for you and if you got questions our team out there will answer them <laughs> you tried it I tried it back they'll pray for you um so in a moment, I'm going to ask y'all to turn that way walk out there. It's just going to be right out in the courtyard. I see some of y'all out there. Um, but I can't open up the ceiling to show them, but there's a party going on in heaven. Let's help them know what that sounds like. Because I can't see it. But we can help them know what it sounds like. So on the count of three, they're going to cheer for y'all louder than anything you ever heard in your life. Here we go. One, two, three. Let them know. Let them go. God loves him. Let them go. Wake up. 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 Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are cool And always remember that you were created out of love.